I love birthday parties. I like celebrating friends and family and those I love. What is weird, though, is that one party I go to every year where all the partygoers give gifts to each other instead of to the birthday guy. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. When was the last time you went to a birthday party? As I write this now, I have plans on going to one in a couple of weeks, and I'm excited about it. We like celebrating those that we love, don't we? We usually eat their favorite foods. We usually think about presents to get them, things that we know that they're going to like. We like to celebrate the person. We like to let them know that they're special and why we appreciate them. That's why, from what I can tell, Christmas seems to be one of the strangest birthdays ever. Am I right? I mean, it's Jesus' birthday, but what do we do? We eat our favorite foods and buy presents for everybody else. Now, maybe that's because we don't know what Jesus' favorite foods were. What was his favorite meal? What did his mother fix him on his birthday? Maybe it's figs. Figs are great. They're sweet. They're delicious. They talk about figs in the Bible. I love figs. I love fig newtons. My daughter, who was born on Christmas Day, loves figs. A coincidence? I think not. When she was three, she used to wake up in the middle of the night. She had sleep apnea, need to get her tonsils out, but that's a different story. She'd make her way down to the kitchen. She'd open her snack drawer and eat fig newtons. She'd leave crumbs, and I thought for a long time that we had mice until I ran into her once. Maybe the fig thing is why we ask people to bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right here, right after we wish them Merry Christmas. Isn't that how that song goes? We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and what do we say next? Now, we've wished you Merry Christmas. Now, bring us some figgy pudding. Now, bring us some figgy pudding. Now, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it out here. Sounds a little greedy, doesn't it? Which fits right into the strangest birthday celebration ever paradigm I'm talking about. Think about the gift giving for a minute. What do people do around Christmas time? Start making lists. What do I want for Christmas? My husband keeps teasing our granddaughter, who can at this point quite appropriately sing, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. He keeps telling her, you know, I don't really know what to do this year because Nan and I really wanted to get you some presents, but it really looks like all you want for Christmas is your two front teeth. To which she responds, oh, that's just a silly song. I really want other things <laughs> from the mouths of babes. <laughs> I'm not suggesting we feel that same way about Christmas songs ourselves, just silly little songs. I mean, some are. Frosty the Snowman, though jolly, is pretty short-lived. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer reminds us not to exclude others from our games, if we relate to the bullies, or maybe the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is reminding us that, hey, if you're the one with the red nose, I want you to be assured that maybe your weird thing is there for a purpose, and it might actually prove useful, you know, someday, like Saving Christmas. I'm not talking about songs like that. We've done this already. But today, I want to talk a little bit about gifts as we talk about the strangest birthday celebration ever. At Christmas time, what do we do? I said we make lists. We start thinking about what we're going to buy for our family and friends. People ask us what we'd like for Christmas, maybe a few weeks out. 
where we might be thinking, actually, I wasn't really thinking I needed anything at all. But now since you're asking, huh, I, well, I love shoes. <laughs> what else? Why do we do this? Why do we give gifts at Christmas? I think our reasoning is twofold. At least that's what we keep saying. So we can keep on with a gift giving. We say that, well, first, giving gifts reminds us of the greatest gift of all given to us in Jesus. Yes, and we're going to talk about that later. Secondly, we say we give gifts because we're following the example of the three wise men. I mean, they were wise, weren't they? Do we even know there were three? Check that out. But they gave gifts, didn't they? I mean, never mind that they didn't give them to their neighbor or secret Santa at work or their sister-in-law or whatever. They gave gifts and they were wise. What did they give? They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All three gifts that they brought, which is why we think there were three, but hmm, check that out. All these gifts they brought were the types of gifts given to a king. All three had a spiritual meaning as well. They brought gold, a symbol of kingship. They brought frankincense, a symbol of deity, and they brought myrrh, a symbol of death. And so we say we too give gifts just like the wise men did. All right, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to say, I love giving gifts. I love it. I love getting them. I love wrapping them. I love choosing them for the specific person. I love it when they open them and they're so excited about what we got for them and it's just what they needed and it's just what they loved. I love that. I mean, I recognize not every gift exchange is quite as seamless as that. I recognize we probably have all had those awkward moments, you know, where you're having a lunch with somebody and it happens to be in December and they say to you, I'm so glad we could go out for this Christmas lunch celebration and they hand you a present and you don't have anything. You're like, oh man, I need to start digging in my purse. Ah, I wish I had something. Or I remember a time in high school when I was in a club and we were supposed to give each other a $5 gift to the person whose name we drew. People are giving things like fancy matchbox cars, and oh, look, I got you a car, or posters or stuff like that. When it was my turn to open my present, I opened up this beautiful Black Hills gold cross necklace from a guy that liked me and chose that time to declare his love for me. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the necklace, but this was not the right time. It was not the right place. It was not the right gift. It was really awkward. What does make for a good gift? I think it's three things. A good gift costs the giver something. It's meant to bless the recipient, and it needs to be received. What do I mean by a good gift costs the giver something? First of all, I'm not saying at all that the more you spend, the better the gift is. Not at all. What a gift costs the giver might be the time spent thinking about what to get the other person, or the time it took listening to the other person throughout the year to see what it was they really needed or wanted. I remember the year I opened a four-pack of grapefruit spoons from my husband for Christmas. I was so excited. I grew up eating grapefruit with a special spoon. I got married, I left my home, and lost my access to those. I apparently took them for granted all my growing up years, as I never thought to register for any. I didn't notice they weren't there, until one day I got a grapefruit, cut it in half, reached into my drawer, and realized, hey, I need to have a new plan. My husband said, I never used grapefruit spoons growing up. Instead, we just cut around all the little sections with a knife. I thought, I do not have time for this. But I started doing it too, and I missed my spoons. So that Christmas, I opened not one, but a pack of four grapefruit spoons. I felt happy. I felt even a little excessive. I remember one year getting Kenny a book he wanted. 
I didn't buy it. We had agreed not to spend any money on presents. But one day I was listening to a radio station and they said they were giving this book away to a listener who called in and answered this trivia question correctly. I called in. I got a busy signal. I hung up. I called in again. Busy. Hung again and again and again until at last I spoke to a human. They asked me the question. I answered it correctly and they mailed me this book. I wrapped up this fat hardcover book and gave it to Kenny that year for Christmas and he loved it. A good gift costs the giver something. Secondly, a good gift is meant to bless the recipient. A good gift has the recipient in mind, not ourselves. There might even be something that we maybe no longer need or want, or maybe something we sort of like and want to keep, but we think, you know what? I think this person would enjoy it even more. What a fun gift. This year, I'm wrapping up an antique pitcher, water pitcher, and four juice glasses that are this deep red glass that I know a dear friend of mine is going to love. Our first married Christmas, we had no money, so I gave away some of my old jewelry to my sisters. That year, my sister-in-law got a beautiful Black Hills gold cross necklace. A good gift is one that blesses the recipient. It shows that you've thought about that person. It shows giving them something that you think that they might want or something that they might need. And finally, a good gift is intended to be received. In fact, a gift is not a gift until someone receives it. That seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? It's true. It's obvious and true. I've bought things for people before and forgotten to give them to them. I've bought gifts for people before and lost them. I have them somewhere in my house and I think it's their birthday. I know I got them a gift. Where did I put it? Their birthday comes and goes, and I think, oh, man, maybe next year. But that's not a gift for them until they have the opportunity to receive it and take it. Then it's their gift. I don't know ever of a time when I handed someone a gift and they handed it right back to me or took it and never opened it. I mean, maybe that happened. I just don't know about it. If they took it and never opened it, they did not receive that gift. If we think about gifts in this way, Then we have to stop and say, whoa, Christmas is a good gift to us, is it not? If it's true that a good gift costs the giver something, it's meant to bless the recipient and needs to be received, Christmas definitely is a good gift. What did this gift cost the giver? John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you see it? God gave his son and his son came. Philippians 2, 4 to 8 tells us that. It says that we should have the same mind that Christ Jesus had, who though he was God, he did not count equality with God, something he was going to hold on to. But at a time and place, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of a man and placed in a manger. I add that he was found in human form. He humbled himself as a human, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It didn't end there, though, did it? No, he was raised again on the third day. But do you see it? Jesus, it cost him his life. He was born in the likeness of man. He came to earth and he lived life walking on our sod, breathing the air that he created, this air that we breathe. He lived the life that we live. He was tempted as we were tempted, yet without sin. He was lonely. He was sad. He was misunderstood. He was mistreated. He lived in this way for us. He lived in this way, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. He even died on the cross for us. There is no doubt 
that the gift of Christmas cost God our Father, cost God the Son dearly. And there is no doubt that this gift of Christmas was given to bless the recipient. There's no doubt that this gift was given with the recipient in mind. What does the recipient of this gift of Christmas get? John 3.16 tells us that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. What a gift. How do we receive this gift? If it's meant to bless us, how can we receive this? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us we're saved by grace through faith. This salvation is a gift to us, given to us not because we deserve it. That's what grace is. It's giving you something that there's no way you deserved. And we receive it by faith. We believe that God sent Jesus. We believe in what Jesus did on this earth. We believe that his death paid the penalty not only for the sins of the world, but for my sin. And I place my faith and trust in him. And I ask him to forgive my sin. And I ask him to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And he does. He gifts us this. What a gift. Salvation by grace through faith. It's nothing we've done. It's nothing we've earned. It's not from works. We can't earn our way to heaven. Why? Nobody can boast that way. No one can say, well, I'm, I'm in. How about you? Or I'm in. For sure they're not. Or, oh, for sure they're in and I probably never will be. Wah, wah. No. Our gift is a gift. Our salvation is a gift from God. Nothing that we've earned. It reminds me a bit. When I think of this kind of imbalanced gift exchange, it reminds me of a gift uh, of an exchange I had with my cousin Eric. We exchanged gift for years. He and I were closest in age as cousins on my mom's side, and so we were paired up. For years, I'd give him fishing lures, things he probably just couldn't even use. I bought them because I thought they were cool. I had no idea if it was even for where he fished. I bought him things called wacky packages. I bought him candy. I bought him stuff like that forever. And then one year he said, hey, I have an idea. Next year, let's spend $10 at Goodwill and see who can get the best gift. I love this idea. He even said, hey, and then we'll decide who wins. I'm like, oh, this sounds exciting. And so as soon as I got home, I started looking. I looked for days and the days turned into weeks and I looked for weeks and the weeks turned into months and I would go to see if anybody delivered anything else new. And I'd look at something and I'm like, I don't know if this is a winner. Oh, it's over $10. Oh, I'm not sure about this. And then one day I walked in and I saw it. I saw this picture. It was about three and a half feet wide and about maybe two and a half, three feet high. It was huge. It was this picture and it was a fisherman. And they were in this boat and they had this net off to one side and it was kind of a, a choppy sea and, and it was this picture and it was not framed great. And then in, in the bottom right corner, it was like water damaged, but I'm like, well, you can't see it that much. It just kind of looks realistic. It's water anyways. And, and I thought, this is it. He's going off to college. He could hang in it in his dorm room. I'm going to win. This is great. So I buy it. I wrap it. We transport it from Minnesota to Wisconsin. No one was excited about that. And I could hardly wait for him to open it. We placed all of our gifts under the tree and people started opening. They started opening things, books and socks and soaps and candles and whatever. And then I heard it to Eric from Kirsten. Oh, he's going to open his first. He's going to love it. And they take out this great big gift and he opens it up and he kind of looks at it, kind of like confused. And for some reason, his eye was drawn to the bottom right corner where the water damage was. And I'm like, oh man, seriously though, look how big it is. It's almost like artwork. He said, thank you. But it was not at all the response I was thinking he'd get. Then... It was my turn to Kirsten from Eric. 
and I opened mine and it was this beautiful, expensive bottle of perfume. I looked at him, I'm like, Eric, there's no way you got this at the a Goodwill. He's like, well, of course I didn't. What do you think I am? And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I reminded him about what he said, what his idea was the year before. That's kind of how I feel when I think of that gift exchange. That's kind of the way I feel at Christmas time. God offers us this gift of salvation. What does he want in return from us? He wants us to give him our sin and give him our inadequate lives. We offer to God our anxiety and he gives us peace. We offer our inadequacies to God and he gives us his sufficiency. We offer our ignorance. He gives us wisdom. We give him our fear and then he gives us love. We give him our selfishness. He gives us thoughtfulness. All the good gifts come from God. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows. God is a faithful, continual giver of good gifts. We see these, but we need to receive them. They are good. They are for you. What is it that we need this Christmas? Do we need salvation? Do we need a relationship with God? We can receive this. We can receive this gift of grace through faith. We can receive this offer of forgiveness in eternal life as we give him our sin, as we give him our trust. What can we give to Jesus this year for his birthday? Let's give gifts to each other for sure. Let's celebrate that. Let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy this season. But let's also think, what is it that I can give to Jesus this year? Maybe it's your fear anxiety, maybe your feelings of inadequacy or ignorance. Isn't it strange that when we give those to God, he blesses us by giving us exactly what we need. And then when he blesses us, what can we do? We can give him our lives. We can say, I agree with you with what it says in Ephesians 2.10, that we are masterpieces created in Christ as he blesses us with his good things to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Let us love him well this year at Christmas. Let us give him what he desires. Let us give him our lives and let us receive the gifts that he has for us. Merry, Merry Christmas. <laughs> 